0: I'd like to begin this podcast by recognising the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders, past, present, and those emerging. Oh yeah, well, this is the first one, so oh, oh my goodness! Oh no, please don't say oh no before well, it I might start not the be first
1: the first one. one. You shouldn't yeah. say that yet. No,
0: but it's the first one that I'm recording.
1: Didn't all you right? do one yesterday? No,
0: no, I haven't done one yet. Oh. Doing one tomorrow. Oh shit! So Millsy's tomorrow. So no pressure oh, on you. It's all no. on me. <laughs> oh
1: god! <laughs> <laughs> He's a musical theatre guy. You should have start with him singing first. Mind. Yeah.
0: You've got you got the chat. You just start zinging, oh, yeah, riffing, yeah. and yeah. Mills, you just start singing. It'll be
1: dancing. Make yeah. sure he sings and doesn't dance because it's, <laughs> it's
0: great it's, for audio. It's an audio film. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hey there everyone and welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I talk to fascinating people and find out what made them who they are today. I'm joined by one of my favourite people in the world and this is why she is my first guest because I grew up watching this person. She is a incredible comedian, broadcaster, podcaster, writer, author, actor she does everything. Would you please welcome the wonderful Michelle Laurie? Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you. <laughs> just, just leave out I grew up watching, I reckon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. just cut that. Bit, just like.
0: Just for next time, I know. Yeah, up. yeah. Or just do want cut it? Snip, snip. It's yeah,
1: done. well, I mean, you're not a teenager. Do you know what I yeah, mean? That's it's not right, like. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Bit, I'm, I mean, you've got hair on your face. Yeah, sure. And when you yeah, say yeah. that, I'm like,
0: really? It's a bit rough. It's a bit rough, isn't yeah. it? It's Ease it? up.
1: People do say that to me a bit and I go, oh.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in my late, in my late teens. Can I say that? That I guess. I? Yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, none of it's good. No, not really. <laughs> now, Michelle, I start this podcast by asking a simple question mm. to, to see what, what you think influenced you more, nature or nurture.
1: What influenced me what more? What influenced
0: you more? What What do you think it is for you?
1: It has – well, isn't that funny? Uh, it has to be – it has to be – no, no. <laughs> Oh God! Neither,
0: neither. So you think what's the third option? (laughs) We have to rename the whole podcast. Neighbors, neighbors, the TV show. I don't know. (laughs) Which would be which, which would be considered nurture? So, would it? yeah, so, so nature. So I'll just give you a little brief on each of them. So nature is how genetics influence someone's personality and nurture environment, relationships, experience. So yeah. I guess, you know, TV shows would have been been nurture for you. Do
1: well, you- yes, that then. Yeah, that then. It must be that then. <laughs> yeah, because I don't it's, – it's one of those funny things because certainly, yeah, no one in my family was ever a performer or anything like yeah. that or a writer – Or any, yeah, it was like me basically. And so, but then I wasn't, I didn't have anyone around me like that either. Yeah. And I always think it's about childhood and, you know, so, uh, What were
0: your friends like though? Did you have friends around you when you were growing up that wanted to do what you set out to do? No. No.
1: (laughs) No, no, never. In fact, I remember so clearly the first day of uni, Mm. I got into uni to do drama. Right. Yeah. Drama. Where did that come
0: from though? Was there anyone that you decided?
1: I just always wanted to do it. Wow. And I thought the only thing I could think of was go to uni. As a starter.
0: Yep, sure. See if you
1: can get into uni to do it. And I was right because the first day at uni, I just thought, oh, my God. It's my people.
0: Yeah, I found my people. Isn't that amazing? Like, I remember being at, like, back of a comedy club when I used to do stand-up, being in there for the first time and making a joke, which I remember people would have just groaned about back home, and then you make a joke, and, and you just connect with someone else there? Yeah. Or I'm, everyone just goes, I'm, I'm your people?
1: I met my best friend, Cassandra, there on the first day of uni, and she's still, like, my best friend.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, because yeah, and all these kids, and they all knew each other. They were like, "Oh, I remember when we were at the Stanford. Oh, yes, I remember that. Remember that drama camp? Oh, yeah." And they'd all met at various things, and I'd like, never done any of that. But uh, but they were they were very open and friendly, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. It was so exciting. There are people like me. <laughs> at our school, my Catholic high school that I went to, we didn't even have drama as a class, as an elective, for no.
0: no, nothing. What what do you think it was for? You? Do you think there was an influence early on that you saw someone doing something and thought yeah. I want to do that? On TV. On TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who who was that? Do you, do you remember the first person that you saw and thought I love them. I want to be like them?
1: I mean, it could have been Ellie Mae Clampett. I don't know. I mean, it was just everybody. Um I don't really know. I just I lo- I think I just liked Everything that was happening on television more than everything that was happening in my house. <laughs>
0: that's so fair though, isn't it? Yeah. I remember one time I really wanted to watch Rove. Yep. Like I was only like, like 17 or 18 or something and everything was going on around me. A lot of chaos when I was growing up. Yeah. And I remember quite clearly really wanting to watch Rove and it was, and it wasn't about Rove. It's never about Rove, that's right. No, <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's, it's it was never about, about what the- it's about Walter, yeah, my yeah, favourite yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But mm. it was it was about that moment going, I want to watch TV yeah. so badly with my mum and it was the biggest thing. And I remember that not happening that night and yeah. it being a big thing back then. Yeah. Because I, think, I was so excited about watching something that wasn't wasn't you know what was happening around.
1: Yeah, and I think now we all, um and kids, you know, especially maybe we climb into our phones climb into our devices mm. to escape, to disassociate. But back in our day, the only place to do that was TV. So yeah, it was doing the same thing, escaping. But yeah, we just had TV to do that.
0: What was? Do you, Do you remember an early influence, or at least when you went to drama school, was there someone that made you go, or oh, maybe it's not? drama that i want to do maybe it's stand-up comedy or what was that switch for you because it seems like such a a strange switch well not not now it isn't but when you started out there wouldn't have been many people around you that were doing stand-up
1: no there's no one um oh well i I was a big doug anthony all-stars fan of course but um i mean i liked watching stand-up and i thought people who did it were amazing but i just i guess i got better reactions when i did funny things yeah at uni, And then um, one of the older actors said to me once after a big assessment, you know, you'd have to do your assessments in front of the whole school. Yep. And I did something and it got a really big reaction. And then that night we were, at, you know, having a party, a graduation party or something. And he said to me, oh, you're a stand-up. You're a stand-up. That was the first time someone said that to me. And I was like, oh, chuffed because he was older and handsome or
0: <laughs> What did it feel like being called a, being called a stand-up?
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, I didn't believe it, but I was like, oh, my God. Yeah he said that oh god that's so cool <laughs> and um yeah so I, I i never thought that i could do it
0: how did what was the first step to to do it
1: i was doing a radio show actually in on um like public access radio in brisbane yep and judith lucy was coming to town and the girl mm-hmm. that i was doing the show with was a massive comedy fan she wanted to interview judith lucy yeah and uh uh, but she was going to uni and I was doing nothing with my life by that stage except this one saturday night show on um Triple Z in Brisbane which was right. a very rock and roll place it was awesome <laughs>
0: Triple Z is a hard name because it sounds like Z like going to sleep <laughs> no
1: yeah but it was not <laughs> yeah. at all believe me and it was um it's in the, it's still there still in the valley in mm. Brisbane it's very cool very rock and roll and um uh, yeah and so i said look i'll i'll see if i can organise tee up this interview for you and so i met the guy who runs the comedy there still. Yep. His name's Fidelity. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Fidelli. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, he said to me, just we'd met a couple of times, he goes, Oh, you're really funny. You should do stand up and we're having this new co- comics thing. You should come and try out. So yeah. I did.
0: That's so amazing That was though. it. That, was it. that yeah. you were hooked from that first gig. Yeah,
1: well yeah, because it went really well.
0: Yeah. You know? Did you did you write jokes? Did you yeah. or did you yes, you wrote jokes? I knew just... how
1: I knew how to do it in terms of like I didn't get up and do Judith's gear or Scotty's gear or Seinfeld's gear or anything like that. I knew that you meant to write your own jokes. I knew that, so I did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What What was the switch between going to drama school and then getting a job in radio, just a a public access show, but still to be on radio? Did you just decide to do that as a creative outlet?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I was just by then living in Brisbane, and you know there are no acting jobs. Yeah, and I realized that I was like, oh well, I want to do something fun and performing in a way and i just was sussing out what you can do Mm. i shouldn't say my my son hates it when i say sussing out um i think it's a great word if i say something sus oh it's a bit sus yeah i said one day oh it's a bit sus and he goes oh he just shuddered oh
0: (laughs) words move on so quickly though that sometimes like someone so young will say a word and you go i have no idea he started
1: shuddering at me a lot he's nearly 13 and um and, like, he's obsessed with me, but at the same time he, he shudders a lot. And what he said about I said, what's wrong with sus? And he goes, it's just so straight.
0: It's so straight? straight. Wow, I've never heard that before used in that.
1: No. So. I don't, I look weird. That's something to unpack, as they say. <laughs> he wouldn't like unpack either. But, um, yeah, so I was just sussing out. You He's not out. here, so I'm no, going to say whatever say, I want. Say, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> we can say cool if we want. I know, right? I don't right? say that anymore. Cool. I, I don't know. I don't
1: know. I'm going to say I'm a cool mom. <laughs> um, so sussing out what you can do. That's cool. Yeah. And I thought being on the radio would be cool. <laughs> it would be very cool. And it was because we could pick our own music. I got the Saturday night shift, which was cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I loved it. And I was hanging out with all the Brisbane bands, and that was cool. At that time, it was a very rockin' place. Like Regurgitator were just starting out. Oh, wow. And um, Scream Feeder were very cool. Powderfinger was starting out. Uh, and nobody liked Powderfinger, they were too soft. Really?
0: Okay, word to the wise.
1: Uh, um, just quietly. <laughs> there's a very mean nickname for them, which I shan't repeat.
0: <laughs> but you, you decided to move to Melbourne to pursue mm. stand-up. Was that the main reason you decided to move to Melbourne? That was the
1: only reason, yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, I always wanted to move to Melbourne, but yeah. um, but yes, yeah, so yeah, I just moved here. Like 10 months after I started stand-up. Wow. Uh-huh.
0: And what was your first job? Because you had an interesting job. At the start, didn't you? You started to work as a receptionist?
1: No, that wasn't at the start. That oh, was a few right. years in the, I decided okay. to take a break at, at some point. I can't yep. remember. What, I was just poor, I think, just yep. so poor. And yep. uh, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll try a job. <laughs> Never had one of those.
0: Give it a go. I'll
1: just give it a go.
0: <laughs> suss it out. I'll suss it. <laughs> I'll
1: suss it. <laughs> I've heard good things. So, um, so I thought I'll suss it. And I just put the word out and about. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind a job. You know, maybe I should get a job to people, and because I didn't know how you get jobs either. Sure. So these ladies who were living upstairs from me said uh, in St Kilda, one of them said, "I've just got a job as a brothel receptionist, and we need another one." Mm. And I thought that sounds perfect. It
0: does, absolutely. (laughs) Mm.
1: And um. So off I went and it was just, it was wonderful, wonderful.
0: What was, what was the day to day like? Was it, was it welcoming people? Was it bringing people in? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and and it wasn't
1: days. You can't get, oh, I couldn't get day shift. No way, yeah. so I got nights <laughs> yep. from 7pm till 4am ish. Yep. But if the clients were still coming, we just stayed open. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was, yeah. Ding dong, doorbell goes. <laughs> I go girls, intro. <laughs> Cause they're all in their little, in their girls room and uh, they jump off the couch and start judging in the mirror. And I'd let the guy in and give him a rundown of the prices. Wow. Pop him in a room and the girls would come in one by one and introduce themselves.
0: What was it was the experience what you expected it to be? Was the environment kind of what you expected? Or didn't you have any preconceived did, notions of what it was? Didn't
1: have any, no. Because yeah. and, and because of the in, the um interview came so fast and then I think I started that night, so I just didn't have any time <laughs> to think about anything. Yeah. And then the girls taught me the job, really, on the job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just, it just happened so quickly and it was so, so, so great. It was really great. If it was still open, I reckon I'd be trying to get a shift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it so much. Do weekends or something. Though. Oh, my God, I would love a shift a week at, at Bay Street. Bay Street, Port Melbourne. It was just the best.
0: Did, and this, did this go on to influence one of your first solo shows as well? Yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about your – was that your first solo show? No, 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 no. It was
1: like my third or fourth. Okay, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the biggest, though. Yeah. The Hall Whisperer.
0: What, what were the first few shows like when you when you tried to do a, you know, an hour of stand-up? Was it exciting or was it scary and maybe both?
1: It wasn't even scary. Um, yeah. Actually, I did my first comedy festival show with Corinne Grant. Okay, yeah. And that was um, amazing. It was super fun. We yeah. we did a show called Dairy Bells and <laughs> <laughs> had songs, original songs, because Corinne played the guitar and she was doing songs. Right. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we'll – Knock a few songs up. And, sure. um,
0: well, it feels a bit of time. Yeah, because yeah. I mean,
1: things were just different then and yep. nobody took it so seriously. Yeah. And, you know, that was back in the day when the Comedy Festival, Melbourne Comedy Festival, everybody fit in the town hall.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah, how yeah, many
1: yeah. acts there were. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, in fact, we were around the corner. We were off Broadway in the Athenaeum. We were up in Ath 2.
0: I love off Broadway. Oh my <laughs> God! And, Very off Broadway we were in just Melbourne. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very off Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> it backs onto the
1: tunnel, and um, it sides on to the tunnel, and and the roof in those days leaked so badly, right, that when it rained, there were sparks coming off the uh, the board, the, the electricity board. Yeah, um, and our tech was Joan Auster, who was a superstar then, and then left to go and do like architectural lighting or something. He's a billionaire. But at the time he was holding his coat over the lighting board because of the rain, so the rain didn't electrocute us. Yeah. And <laughs> Smart.
0: <laughs> Smart though.
1: This is why he's on the big bucks because <laughs> he knows how not to kill anyone when it rains. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great. And we sang a song about a potty calf, I remember. Right. So it was about us moving to the city. Okay. Okay. And it had some. It had did did have some kind of plot about something happening. I can't remember now. <laughs> there was a through line. There was something. I, something happened. I can't remember now. That was exciting at the end.
0: <laughs> what was the What was the breakthrough for you with with the new show? So when you when you took um you the Hall Whisperer, yeah, the Hall Whisperer. What was What was that moment for you? Was it. Was it? Did things kind of click into place for you in terms of why why you found out it was so successful? Or? Just ticket
1: sales. Just ticket sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just ticket sales. Just people loved it. Yeah. yeah, just just uh, I don't just the subject matter, I guess, mm. and it was a good show. It was a yeah. funny show, and um, yeah, I guess it just all you know, it just all came together. I mean, my genuine love of the subject, yeah. I guess, and yeah. and of all the people that I was. Talking about. Also, I think, I, I guess, the, one of the great things that happened was sex workers came every night. Right. And squealed a lot during the show and really <laughs> gave themselves away in the most beautiful ways. Yeah. And so that was kind of part of it. It became a bit um, of a cabaret that way. Sure. <laughs> and a bit of kind of call and repeat in a way. And so that was really fun. Yeah. So I think i got really great word of mouth. Yep. I think... Um, so it started off with the girls. It was about they came. They mm. they would come sort of a couple of times. And so when I'd say, "Oh God," and this girl, you'd hear this squealing from one part of the
0: Very interactive. And so the
1: audience would go, "Oh my God, that must be them!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, then yeah. they stood out a little bit, and so that was exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then even when I when I go to other cities, the sex workers from the, that city would start coming. And even when I went to Edinburgh, they came. Wow. And I'll never forget in Edinburgh, um, I wasn't expecting it, but they started coming and one night and they'd invite me to come and see their place, their brothel. Yeah. Which is awesome. And one night they um there was an envelope waiting for me and they gave me like a couple of hundred pounds. This the brothel owner.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's so oh that's amazing. It's beautiful. What was what after that, like after you've had that experience? Mm. What, what happened after that? What was the... Like, I mean, you kept doing comedy festival shows and everything, but...
1: Well, I toured a lot. Like, mm. not with that show, but um, after that, I... That was really when I kind of started making a living out of comedy, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then after that, I was touring all year. Like, i do the festivals. I did another show after that. I can't remember what it was called. But uh, that's when I started just kind of doing the festival circuit. And then after that, I'd do Comedy Festival Roadshow for a couple of months. Yeah. Then... Puppetry of the penis, yep. I used to do, uh, not as a puppeteer, obviously, <laughs> it was my joke. And um, just helping the boys get their gear ready backstage or yep. something. I can't remember. These were all my that. jokes, I used to tell. <laughs> and um, so there was me, there was Bev Killick and somebody else. And they used to basically split us up between, there were a couple of teams yeah. of puppetry going around at that time and we would be their warm up act. And we'd get up and do twenty minutes before them. Yeah, um, and then we then the next morning, we'd jump in a, um, you know, a car with the two boys and drive on to the next place, and it was super, super fun. Yeah. And if you're with a good team, I don't think there are any bad teams, and I was, no, I was yeah. with a gorgeous team. And, um, it's, you know, get just once you've seen their penis, I mean, you sort of over
0: Fine it. Enough. It's <laughs> so funny. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then I'd tour with somebody else. I can't remember sometimes to a with Jude a bit, yeah, and, right. you know. And then you'd end up just the whole year's done.
0: And, and was it radio at the same time? No, no, this radio. was before no. radio. Yeah. And
1: then all of a sudden I got a phone call about um, some guy called Dean Buchanan who wanted to meet me. I was like, has anyone heard of this guy?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then somebody went, yes, that's that's a guy. let yeah. go and meet him. Yeah. That's important. And he was the guy who ran Nova at the time.
0: So mm. when you started to do radio again, was that – did you find that that was a passion? I mean, you know, stand-up, stand I guess, was the reason that you came to Melbourne. But mm. then after that, was, was radio kind of another driver for you?
1: Um, not initially. Initially, the money was yeah. very
0: interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, Your ears prick up. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, oh, really?
1: Because <laughs> Husey had started by then and uh, Will had yep. started, uh, you know, a lot of people I knew, uh, American Rosso. Sure. So a lot of people from my generation had started in radio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I knew... A bit about what it was about. Yeah. I knew, certainly knew what the money was about. <laughs> um, so that that was interesting. But when I got into it, I really loved it. I yeah. really – I felt – I found that I got it and settled into it in the same way that I settled into stand-up. I got it straight away. Yeah. But when I say got it, I mean, I. it's not that I was perfect at it straight away, but I wanted to be. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, yeah. I
1: really enjoyed – learning about it, getting better. Um, I just loved it.
0: And and, and for you to do that as well, like five days a week, was that daunting at all or did you just settle in right away? Settled in. Wow. Yeah.
1: And also I got to settle in because I – I got to kind of t- try it out, test it out because mm-hmm. Husey got me to come in and fill in for Kate Langbrook whenever she was away, and she was away a lot in those right, days
0: yeah, sure. because
1: she was pregnant. That was when she started having all of her babies. Oh
0: wow! Yeah,
1: um, I went and filled in when she was pregnant with Lewis. Yep, Lewis Lewis, who is now a fully grown human, <laughs> and um, and while she was pregnant, she also got engaged to Pete. So there was a bit of pregnancy sort of time off. Yeah. There was um, a bit of engagement time off. There was a girl's trip to Vegas, I think. <laughs> right. And this was during the SARS epidemic. And she came back to Australia on a SARS flight with, <laughs> with Quantus. only <laughs> and And so then she had to be quarantined for two weeks. So I ended up with a lot of airtime yeah, yeah. that year. And so I'd, it was brilliant. I'd get this phone call from their producer, Sasha, and I'd think, oh, great. Kate's off again. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. So I'd get another week or two. And so I got to learn so much from Husey. Yeah. And so by the time there was talk of me having a job, I knew that I liked it. Yeah. And I knew how to do it. He would taught me so much. And Husey and I have got a great relationship. We always have had a great friendship. And I was, there was never any ego. Like I was aware that he was teaching me. Yep. I was happy to learn from him. Yeah. So... I did. I learnt a lot in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, it'd be it'd be hard if you're kind of pushing back on that because he's yeah. he's one of your friends as well,
1: and he he is not a person who, who will cop that pushback.
0: No, yeah. Like if
1: you because he's just a very um, honest, real person. Yeah. If I had gone in there and gone, right, oh righto, mate, um, okay,
0: I'll just chat for a bit. It's yeah, fine. yeah, it's all I know right, how mate. To talk.
1: Yeah, I know how to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I know how to be funny, mate.
0: Yeah. I've got this.
1: I'll work my way around it. I think he would not – I wouldn't have been invited back. Just keep think.
0: showing him ticket sales from your latest comedy festival <laughs> shows. I know how to talk, bro. i got this. Show
1: Will Anderson's yeah. ticket sales. Yeah. He loves that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, nice. No, so we've, we've always had a great relationship.
0: And settling into radio, were you doing stand-up at the same time? Was that still yeah. a – drive you at one point did did stand up sort of take a little bit of a backseat when you were when you were on radio so much and and doing so much because you're so busy
1: yeah no not for a long time mm. for a long time you just do everything yeah I remember you know being in a hotel room and thinking okay I've got two hours to sleep just quick just like just sitting in a chair like can't even can't even can't even think about going to a bed even though there's one right there just going nuts I'll just close my eyes. I'll just close my eyes for two hours, you know, and not even thinking about whether it's night time or anything like that. Yeah. Just thinking I've got two hours here to have a sleep. Then I can probably have a little nap in the cab Yep. on the way to Rove. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> little nap on the way home from Rove. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's
0: enough. That's In yeah. your head, You like, that's enough. That's yep. actually enough. More than enough. You're spoiled for sleep. It can be. Yeah.
1: I remember, again, Hughesy going through a phase of, of lying down on the floor in the studio during the songs of his breakfast shift.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a pro. I mean, that's, that's... That's dedication. That's pushing it, I think. <laughs> when, when did it all become too much to, to balance all of that?
1: When I had kids. Yeah. That's, so that's 13 years ago. But up until then, I was like, just do it all, just do it all, just do it all. Yeah. And then, actually, when they were three, I remember, it was when they were three. And by then I was a single mother
0: mm-hmm.
1: and... My son Louie was going through that phase a lot of kids go through. He's sus, by the way. But sus. um <laughs> when when they when they get earaches a lot. You know that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I'd have my time so tightly mapped out, and then he would wake up and go, My ear hurts. And I'd go, oh, no, no you can't stay oh my god because that means no daycare and i've got no one to and i'm supposed to be in a meeting in half an hour and oh my god and and then that would throw so many other people's day out
0: yeah of course and
1: they'd be trying to be good about it but they were really upset and you know and i'd know i was kind of in the shit and (gasps) It was horrible.
0: Yeah. for you, so you decided to pull back on Yeah, that's when I just I had to or? say
1: on everything. That's why yeah. I had to say no to some things for the first time in my life and Yeah, I'm still paying for it to be honest. But yeah.
0: In what way are you still paying for it?
1: Oh, I just don't I, in the I just don't get much I just don't get the work anymore. Like, I just know that I, there was a real shift from, oh, she's not one of us anymore.
0: Right, okay. She's not a
1: workhorse like us anymore, you know. Like, I used to be, work as much as anybody. Sure. And I had to have this moment where I said, guys, I don't have a wife.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I'm so sorry, but I don't have a wife. You all have someone at home. Yeah, yeah. Doing all of this for you, I don't have that. You, your wife. You just told me yesterday, your wife packs for you when you go away. You know, your wife does all this stuff. Yeah, I don't have. Didn't that. have a wife. Yeah,
0: yeah. For for you to to do that was that was that a really hard thing to to come to accept that I guess you didn't have the same experience that a lot of other people did and.
1: Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, mm. it was hard. At the time, initially it wasn't because I was so tired. Yeah, of course. I was really yeah. happy to say, no, I'm going home. <laughs> Having that for a bit. Yeah, I'm going home now. <laughs> um, but since then, it's it's it was hard for a couple of years, yeah, because I was like, I was a bit sad at yeah. the lack of support, I think. Yeah. Not not really from the boys that I worked with because they didn't notice, to be honest, they just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with some other people, yeah, I was like, oh, oh Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When 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 did Buddhism come into your life?
1: Oh, a long time ago. That was mm. um, two thousand and five or something.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. At what at what point did you did you find that?
1: I was in Brisbane. I was miserable in Brisbane. I was that that was when I was working really really super hard because I wanted to get out of Brisbane, <laughs> yeah. and I was doing uh, breakfast radio in Brisbane. The problem was that show was really successful. And unfortunately- It is annoying when something yes, really it's successful. really yeah. annoying because it trapped me there. Yeah. I was thinking, and I was saying to this same guy, this Dean guy who ran the network, I was going, Dean, I didn't understand initially. I thought, oh, if I'm really successful, that'll get me out of here, yeah. back to Melbourne. Yep. And I just didn't understand radio very well then. And I was like, no, that means you're stuck here. Yeah. It means they're not, they don't want to change anything. So every year I'd go, can I go now? Can I go now? And they'd go, no. No, 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 no. Brisbane's a really big market. It's a really yeah. big advertising market.
0: Right. It's
1: worth a lot of money. So, um. You had
0: FOMO, though, of all the things happening everywhere uh, else.
1: Totally. And just Melbourne was my home, well, yeah. and truly by then. All my friends were here. And I had a number of friends die during that, that time. That was really miserable. Yeah. To not yeah. be able to just spend time with them, you know, and, and then to not be around afterwards to spend time with my other friends. And that was really difficult. And, um, You know, things change. I was there for a a while. I can't even remember. I don't want to remember how long. But long enough that friendships kind of faded and it was really, yeah, it was really hard. So, yes, I went through a period of just deep depression about it all and and also exhaustion because I was traveling here back to Melbourne every chance I got to work and try and stay in the game. Um, So, yeah, I was just exhausted and... I'd always read about Buddhism, and I thought, oh, it's time. It's time to go and I'll try a Buddhist class. Anyway, the Buddhist center in Brisbane is the best. It's just so good, and I started going to these like daytime classes because I was in bed early. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm there with all the retirees, <laughs> uh, which I it was great. I love, I love that. Uh ten thirty classes or something.
0: Wow. So great. you'd finish breakfast radio and then
1: off to Buddhist school to Buddha two Buddha school. mornings a week.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: with a great teacher called Eddie. Not a monk, but uh, they have monks there, but uh, very, just a great student, great academic kind of Buddhist, yeah.
0: What was what was one of the first things that you remember clicking with you? Was there a moment when you thought, oh, this is definitely for me?
1: Well, I enrolled in a class called um, Dealing with Negative Emotions, which is a very good class. And yeah. so it was all about how, um, you know, emotions like anger, jealousy, you know, resentment, all those negative emotions. Yeah. Um, uh, choices you know you choose to react to certain things that way mm. and if you do choose that way then you're probably going to create real problems sure. more problems yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. when you're angry um yeah if i get angry when my kids spill milk <laughs> spill something which they still spill everything yeah um, you know, if I get angry enough, I might stub my toe as I'm stomping around or I might knock something else over and create another problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that kind of idea. So, yeah, even that, day one, I was like, oh, yes.
0: Yeah, Makes so much sense.
1: Makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So from that day on, I still never forget this one day. There's this great day where this lady was really struggling I can't remember what we were talking about, but there was this thing she was she was trying to say to Eddie. But what if they won't listen about other people? But what if they won't listen? And he was saying, "Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter." And he was trying to, you know, get to her. And she was like, "But then how can I help them?" And he was going, "It's not about anyone else. It's about you. Yeah, it's, it's ab- not your responsibility." Yeah. and that was such this this great moment because it was like um. Yeah, in, in, in her mind, and I think in a lot of our minds, we do go around thinking it's our job to teach other people things.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And fix people.
1: And and yeah, and certainly when you when you get into a religion mm. or when you're, you know, really getting into a philosophy, you think, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna share this with bloody everybody. Yeah. I'm gonna teach this to everybody. Oh, sit down, take a seat. <laughs> I've worked it all out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And she was just so, she was getting really upset, you know. And he was like, We're not trying to teach anybody yeah. anything, We're trying to teach ourselves, you know, work on ourselves.
0: Did you want to teach other people because it helped you? Was there a moment? No, of that? no. no,
1: that's what I like about it. Too busy. It. Yeah, 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 <laughs> too busy. And I like that about it. I like that it's quite a solitary
0: yeah. pursuit. It's with your own thoughts instead of.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it is about accepting my own faults, my own, you know. Just about, yeah, trying to be a better person and, yeah, I like that. And a, people on, you know, social media always accuse me of being a bad Buddhist, which I love so much, <laughs> you know, as if you'd fucking know yeah, start. Yeah.
0: You don't know anything about but,
1: it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I know. That's the idea. That's yeah. the point. I know.
0: <laughs> I'm well aware of
1: it. I'm well aware.
0: <laughs> Coming back to Melbourne, when was that moment?
1: I can't remember. I think it was 2011 mm-hmm. and, oh, my God, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I still have... I still have moments when I just look around and go, oh, I'm so happy. To yeah. be home. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. Because I had so many moments in cabs towards the airport going, When oh my God, yeah. am I ever getting home? Yeah. Am I ever getting home? So yeah. Um, and that I had I, I really bullied the network. <laughs> to get us home <laughs> When Marty Sheargold agreed to come and join this show I was on up there in Brisbane I thought, oh, ho, ho come in Spinner Yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Shigsy, Shigsy's the my ticket shigs. he, The big Shigs yep. He's my ticket out Yeah I knew it that was exciting. And not that he was, he didn't have an attitude about working in Brisbane okay. at all. He, he was, was cool. fine with it. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't know he was my ticket. Yeah.
0: yeah. He, he, didn't <laughs> he was know your he, ticket out. He
1: didn't know he was my plan, but he was.
0: So did you two move down together when you came back to yeah. Melbourne? You, yeah, you decided to well, no, go I, together.
1: I was the one I, you know, went. there was a new boss then and, uh, yeah, I really strong armed them and said, either <laughs> we get national drive yep. and get the fuck out of here. Can we swear on your show? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or
0: it's also on your network, so whatever you Oh, yeah, want, cool, cool, cool yeah, yeah. Right. You uh, kind of own this, so, yeah, whatever. Cool.
1: <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, you have these windows in your career, if yep. you lucky, and um, so I knew I, ha- I was in a window, and I said, uh, yeah, either. We get National Drive this time around. Yep. Because someone else had left it, you know, it's not like I didn't kick anyone out of their job.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,
1: I'm going. Yeah. I'm going I'm over to the other joint. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, because I could. And then we are oh, okay, all right. And, yeah, so we did and we and we were great on National Drive. Yeah. It was an amazing we would show. Be. It was yeah. so
0: funny. And, and so was it great going to drive instead of being breakfast radio? No,
1: you know what? Again, it's one of those funny things. Like you spend your whole career in breakfast going, oh, God, I want to do drive. Yeah. This sucks getting up so early. But then when you go to drive, you kind of spend your whole day – Getting ready for work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have to prepare for the show that day. All day.
1: Just thinking about I mean, let's not be honest. We didn't I mean, let's be honest, we didn't prepare all day for work. Sure. And I think the shift started at four. Shigs and I rocked in at three thirty. Right. Yep. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're thinking about it and there's a lot and then you've got school and everything happening and it's a lot to a lot to manage.
1: uh, Very busy person. Yeah. (laughs) And I like to be out the door at six to fight the traffic. I said, boys, look traffic. Yeah. You know, when you when you do breakfast, you don't you don't have any traffic in your life. There is (laughs) no traffic in your world. (laughs) You know, you are driving in at four or five in the morning or something, and you're driving out at ten thirty, there's no traffic and you've got the whole day to yourself and It's really quite charming. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. So drive—I mean, drive it. But it was an awesome show. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I mean, the times we—I just—we couldn't speak. Yeah, the times I was just banging on the desk. I just could not speak for laughter.
0: It's the funniest show. Oh, is my it, God. Are there, like, you know, on, I mean, all the podcast apps and everything always have radio shows, but is there, is that somewhere? Have you ever gone back and listened to any of it? I don't know. It's such a funny show.
1: I have no idea. But that's that's just my defining memory of it. It's just <laughs> snorting, crying, just getting to a point where I just, just so many times and not seeing it coming. Yeah. We just go, because we never discussed really what we we're going to talk about. Marty would say, oh, I've got a thing about, um, Mowing. i
0: will use that. Chuck
1: that in at 4, 10, or whatever. <laughs> I'd go, right, oh, I've, I've got a thing about, you know, um, oh, kids' shoes. We'll do that at 5.20, right?
0: <laughs> That'll get us out. That's what it said. Yep. That's what
1: our running order said. That's all we ever said about it yep. until it was time. And then we're standing there blah blah blah, chatting during the song. And then um, we go, oh, shit. What, oh, right, oh, shit. Yeah, that's you. You're It's kids' shoes. Right, oh, right, right. <laughs> and then we'd tell the – and then – Three minutes later, you're just dying. Yeah, just hitting the table, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it was just amazing. It was the best time.
0: When uh, when did you find podcasting? When did when did that become a part of your life? That was
1: in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was in Brisbane because I just wanted to do. I wanted something of my own. Yeah, sure. it's like, oh, I'm so sick of compromising. <laughs> yeah. I just want to talk to someone by myself and just ask all of the questions I want to ask.
0: And not in a three minute segment. Or yes. A, yeah, I want yeah, a yeah. nice
1: long chat with someone interesting.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what What was the first show that you had? The, the first podcast?
1: Nitty gritty. Oh no, yep. no. Actually the first one was a podcast I used to do with the boys that I worked with up there in Brisbane. Okay. Yeah. We did one after the show and yep. the, the, we had to really harangue the bosses. Can we have a podcast? And they were like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah we said, oh, well, don't, it's just a thing. Don't worry about it. If you don't know what it is, then don't worry about it. Yeah. Just say yes, we can do it. I go, no, well, it's going to take up everyone else's time. And they're supposed to be working on your breakfast show and there's not supposed to be editing, whatever that is. And we were like, oh, just why take up – they're happy to do it. Yeah. Just say yes. And in the end, they went, oh, Christ, all right. So we had this podcast and it was absolutely feral. Like, it was so crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they never listened to it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so – After a while, though, they noticed our breakfast show was getting really out of hand. Right. It was getting really (laughs) crazy. It fed
0: into it a little bit. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So one day, one of them went and listened to the podcast and they went, oh, my God, (laughs) get that off our (laughs) website. So that was the end of that. (laughs) That was the first podcast. Then after that, I said, okay, well, can I have one called the Nitty Gritty Committee? And Mm. they they were really great about it. This was at Nova. And um, so they let me use the studio, I think, one day a week. Great. Yeah. And uh, have guests and, yeah. And, that, and then they started, uh, I started learning how to edit and stuff like that.
0: Well, what after that made you want to start the Australian True Crime
1: podcast? Eventually, and then I moved to Melbourne. I kept doing Nitty Gritty and I was doing it at Kiss as well. They mm-hmm. were the same. They were great. They let me use their studios and stuff. Um, and eventually I I just started veering into it naturally because I'm into it. Yeah. I started finding old coppers to talk to and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, they're be a um there must be a good like author yeah There'd be a local author you know who are the authors around here and I read Emily's books and I got Emily in for an interview and I just liked her so much yeah. that after that first hour I um I said to her would you ever think about doing a true crime podcast she goes yeah and that was it that's
0: amazing and, and so for you doing that is that is that something that you, you've just been fascinated with this entire time the true crime world like it's just something that you've always found fascinating and also you know nitty-gritty committee always interviewing amazing people like you always i remember you had mark Maron on and really fascinating people that you interviewed and then for you what what was the australian true crime aspect when do you start getting interested
1: she and i talk about a lot and and most people in the genre talk about it how we like were inappropriately young when we started reading yeah right true crime like (laughs) both of us will talk about our primary school libraries having vaguely true crimey books, yep. nonfiction books that we were the only kids who borrowed. <laughs> like right. the card yeah, yeah, yeah. just had our name on it constantly. Um, yeah, so, and those like paranormal weird books, and that yep. we were the only kids who had borrowed them. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's something about um I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, honestly. I say sometimes, you know, women are always told. On the day we're born, that you're probably going to be a victim of crime uh, in one way or another. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I find it fascinating what leads people to lash out and hurt other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the longer I do it, the more interesting it is because you realise the victim-offender overlap is so complete most offenders have been victimized, mm. and so you realize, oh, okay, it's actually systemic, it's actually societal. We actually create offenders, all of that stuff, which mm. means we can not, you know, if we fund things correctly and if we intercede at certain times, we can actually stop creating offenders.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and with the show as it's gone on, you know, it's gone on for a while now, like you know, since and, 2017. Wow, yeah, how do you? Were you surprised by how many people were as interested in true crime as you?
1: Yeah, fully. Because when we started, there was case file and serial. Yes. Yep. And so there wasn't, no, no one talked about the true crime boom or the thing or the umbrella. Like it wasn't a thing on, um, on iTunes. No, no. It wasn't a category. So um yeah we didn't think about that and we didn't know how to know how many people were listening for the first sure. year we were doing it yeah, didn't right. know how to check
0: <laughs> probably a good thing though cuz you keep yeah. making it cuz you're loving it
1: exactly so we had no idea we didn't have ads we didn't have anything um yeah so we were, when we finally found out how many people were listening we were quite shocked yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 quite shocked
0: and and now for you like you know you're doing this you're you know you're always such a busy person you've got the podcast network as well you've got your yeah. production company what, what about stand-up? Do you think you'll ever get back into stand-up? Is there ever a moment where you kind of stop and think about those days?
1: Uh, not really. Mm. I mean, sometimes I think I'd like to do a show. Mm. Sometimes I think I might do a show again. Yeah. Like a one-woman one, one woman show. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> Beck Midler. Uh, maybe if I have something to say. Yeah. But at the moment I like doing true crime shows, like live. I do like doing live shows. But yeah. what you'll find if you come... To an Australian True Crime live show is I do basically 10 minutes of stand yeah, at the top, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't mean to. It's just the only way I really interact with audiences. Yeah. You know? In the beginning I'd go, okay, listen, I'll just go out and then I'll bring you on, Emily. Yeah, I'd go, okay. Ten minutes later I'm just like yucking it up, just gagging. You know, and all I was meant to do was show them where the toilets were. Yeah. But, you know, you just can't help but communicate in a yeah. certain way. This is my... Just the way so I like, wiring. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've um, I've got a few questions that I actually wrote down. What trait in people do you find the most admirable? Hmm. What do you admire in someone else? A quality.
1: Just genuine. Just genuine confidence. Yeah. In you know, in themselves and. Uh, someone I admire maybe more than – maybe the person I admire most is um, this guy called Dr. Stephen Cordner, uh-huh. who's this um, forensic pathologist, and he just has this way of – sometimes he, he, in his career he's had to make quite sort of ethically difficult decisions, mm-hmm. but I think once he makes them, that's it. He just puts puts it aside. It's like yeah. I've decided on my course of action. I'm not going to stress about it anymore or second guess. He's confident and then he just moves through it.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's something great about that sort of confidence where you go, you know what you're doing
1: So yes, that's great. Totally. So And even if he does it, you know, he's yeah. kind of like, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I've made my decision.
0: Yeah. And that's fine. So final. that's
1: my course of action. And it enables him to be, firstly, a, an actual disruptor, which I love because he's yeah. now almost 70. He's a genuine disruptor, but he's also gentle. He's a real gentleman mm. and it enables him to be kind and, and yet his genuine confidence means again, no ego. Yeah. Doesn't, ne- doesn't have to have one, you know, it's just like, that's fine. I
0: love that. Yeah. If you could choose to be born into an environment, what would that look like? If you had the perfect place set out to, to go up in, do you?
1: I mean, are you joking? I would choose to be Elton John and David Furnish's <laughs> child.
0: <laughs> so that you choose the parents and everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is what I choose. That's what you choose. Yeah. G'day.
0: Um, what's your favorite thing about yourself?
1: Hmm. Gosh. Uh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. What a funny question. Yeah. God, I love that question.
0: Do you have a favorite, you know, do you have a favorite thing about yourself? Is it if it is it your of- humour, your drive, your because you know, you're always such a busy person as well. Yeah. You're you're also very welcoming to everyone as well, and very. Oh, kind thank
1: you. Gosh, we can
0: come back to it if you want. We can.
1: I don't know if I'll do any better. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's okay. You don't have to have an answer no. for it. If you don't want to. But who influenced you the most? Is there someone in your life? Doesn't have to be like an influence for career, but someone who influenced you the most. Is there someone that was a mentor, or or you felt like you wanted to be like?
1: Hmm. Oh, well, there's probably lots, really. Mm. His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, because that was part of um, when I stumbled into Buddhism, you know, initially it's overwhelming. There's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you want to be the best. You know, um, Susan Cullen and I have always joke about this. When you adopt a religion, you want to be the best at it.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you (laughs) want to be the best one. Um, But you you realise you can't be and – so you sort of have to find your way to be to be in it and um, because you weren't raised in it and um, and it's not natural, particularly if it's culturally yeah, not where you come from you know And so um, but his Holiness is is great at simplifying it and um, and he he says, well look you know altruism is a great way to do it So that's like you know, Generosity without expecting anything in return, but actually, then there's an, another great monk in Victoria called um, Geshe Sonam, and he he is great because he. I went to him one time I was just desperately, um, upset because I had adopted a dog, who who was a beautiful little dog except he had um, issues around territorialism. He was very protective of my family. Oh, and oh I. sure, yeah. And he bit everyone who came near us.
0: <laughs> just don't take him out. You have to keep that dog. <laughs> it got
1: worse than that. It got to oh. the point where he started digging out from our garden and biting other people in their own yards.
0: Wow. That we've
1: got, you know. And oh, it got wow. So the more money I spent on him, the more training I tried to give him, this poor little dog just got worse and worse. He was cracked, right? Wow. yeah. Well before we ever got him, like, you know. And um, so I went to Geshe Sonoma I said, I think I'd, I went to him after I had to have him put down. I was just devastated. Yeah, I was devastated. Of course. I thought I'm getting kicked out for sure. Yeah. So best I go and just and take my medicine and get kicked out of Buddhism. So I went to Geshi and um and he said, "Oh no. No, 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 no." And he said, "Um, pardon my accent, but he said when I have mouse in my ceiling, I have to kill mouse." And that was a revelation to me. Yeah. I was like, "What are you talking about?" You can't. What are you talking about? that's that's not he said yeah because you know if there's one mouse there there will be millions of mouse and he said i have people living here and they could kill them Mm -hmm. and i mean this is a guy who comes from tibet like this is a guy comes from a culture where people can die from a mouse plague you know like it's important stuff and he was saying to me you know you had to do what you did what you had to do and he's hurting other people he's getting bad karma for himself and Mm -hmm. all that so the buddhists particularly the, the the old tibetan monks um Oftentimes when I talk to them, their perspectives are amazing to me. They're so counterintuitive, but helpful, very helpful. Yeah. You, you know, that that was um, so so kind that day. I, was, I can't tell you, I was bereft. Yeah. And um, not only, I didn't feel like he was obviously just saying it to make me feel better. It actually made sense.
0: Yeah. Total sense. Yeah. 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 Who do you choose to surround yourself with? And has that changed over time?
1: yeah it definitely has I you know like most of us used to surround myself with comedians
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. which was wonderful yeah in my 20s and early Fun. 30s oh my god
0: the drinking the partying oh, staying out all night yeah
1: wonderful yep. lying around on all day lying around on couches and floors and just yeah I was just the best we all yeah. lived near each other and yeah. it was just the best 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 life <laughs> I loved it so much and and that is how I still have these close friendships now with people I've known for that long, you know. It was just the most beautiful bonding experience. And, um, yeah, so that that has changed because we grew up, we moved away, was, you know, got jobs, got married, had kids, All it, it, so it moves. It changes. Now I spend all my time with the other mums around my neighbourhood, Yeah, the mothers of the kids my kids have grown up with because they have gone to school with these same kids for the last 10 years since yeah. they were three. And we have this great gang of mums and they are nuts. And they are just fabulous. And I've heard other women say, you know, talk about the school mums, like, oh, they can be bitchy and they can be this and that. Not in our neighborhood. They are brilliant. Just to, you know, to a woman. Just hilarious. You know, I mean, even I feel like everyone I run into, this this new woman I run into all the time at Cole's. I just gave her all those Harry Potter collectibles one oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, a few the, months she's all of their Harry Potter collectibles. I don't even know. I know they've got a weird name. I, I
1: never know. let my kids have them. I'm like, right. you're not having that crap. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But whenever they have them the lady goes, you collecting these pieces of shit, I go, yeah, come on, give us them. And she gives them to me and I always turn straight around and say, is anyone collecting these? And I give them. Yep. Well, I gave them to this lady once. Cannot shake her. And I love her. And so I just live in one of those great neighbourhoods where everyone's just – it's a Bogan neighbourhood, let's be honest. It's a western suburbs, Bogan neighbourhood. We have, like, one kind of wine bar. Yep. We all go there and drink – We'll leave our kids at home by now. way. you
0: live near me now, so you have to show me the wine bar. Oh my god, yeah. come down. Yeah, I'd love to.
1: We have this tiny strip shopping thing that we it's just not a thoroughfare at all. Yeah. I mean, we're just our own little enclave.
0: <laughs> I love the, the word oh thoroughfare as well.
1: We're not a thoroughfare, <laughs> duh. We are not a thoroughfare. Louis would cringe if you heard me say that. And down the end of it is the beach. Right. So when the weather gets warmer, oh my Christ, you should see us. Oh, we're, yeah. Oh, love. Feral. Feral. <laughs> We're shoeless at Coles, buying our kids icy poles. It's brilliant. Yeah. And they're my people.
0: I love that. And they're the people that you choose to surround yourself with. Yes. They're the
1: best. I love them, love them.
0: I love that. I remember uh, when I stopped doing stand-up, and I've got to do a gig tonight, but it's like a podcast gig. But when I stopped doing stand-up for the first time, I remember being home at 8 p.m. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. And it's the most luxurious feeling. It's like when you are sick and then – when you're sick, you go, I'm, I'm really going to be good. I'm really going to appreciate being healthy when I'm healthy. And then the day that you're healthy, you start going, this is incredible. Oh, yeah. This is the best thing in the world.
1: Well, it's like being able to get pissed so close to your house <laughs> yeah. that you can walk
0: home. That's right. Yeah. With your
1: friends or go to your friend's place. She's a block away.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and, and ring up your other friends and go, yeah, come round. And it's just everyone's just so close I love that. and you can take your kids because it reminds me of how i grew up you mm. know i grew up every weekend we we're at someone's house yeah barbecues kids and rosso talks about it so beautifully you know and and um because you the minute you got there your parents did not want to see you
0: yeah they were like yeah. get out <laughs> i'm done
1: get out yeah <laughs> get out do not come near us
0: <laughs> do not darken my doorway yeah
1: no. yeah no mate <laughs> And we'd be just dragging toddlers around that neighbourhood till dark.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was great. You've created that community. I love it, that.
1: Yeah, and, and I say to my kids, it sucks how they put fences around building sites now. And they go, Why? And I go, oh, because we used to love playing in building Climb sites as in. kids, remember? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: And my kids are so strange. Playing
0: in drains. I remember there were so many kids playing in drains at my school that the government had to bring out a pamphlet to say a drain is not a playground. But
1: it's really And it's not, but it not. is. But it is. Yeah, well, if it's not raining, <laughs> it could be. It could be. But, yeah, check the weather before you go out, kids. Great yeah.
0: advice for everyone. What drives you now? And do you have any big ambitions left that you still want to oh, achieve? Good
1: question. What drives me now? Gosh, 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 gosh. Um, look, retirement—is <laughs> that okay to say? I mean,
0: you have worked so hard, yeah. and you're—you have done so much. And when you look back on all that you've done, is there still like why do you why do you go to work now? I mean, you work with amazing people, but why do you go to work now?
1: I lost a lot of money in the divorce. Right. <laughs> the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lost a lot of money in a divorce. Lost a lot of money taking care of my father when he was dying. Yeah. So, you know, I just kind of have to make a lot of money back for my kids. I feel bad about – like, I don't really feel bad. Look, I I just – what keeps me going to work? Um, No, look, there is a, honestly a bit of that. Yeah. You know, you feel like – I think – I don't think anyone – Oh, I mean, it's demonstrated by so many billionaires. I don't think anyone ever feels like – they've set their kids up enough or themselves up and like set things up enough. Do you know what I mean? I'm not greedy for money. We live in a small place and we don't live extravagantly at all. Um, But yeah, I think I feel like uh, my kids go to state school. I, I, I don't want to spoil them. I don't want to, give them a house each or anything yeah, like that or give yeah. them a car each. But I feel like, oh, probably should have made sure I could pay for their uni or something. I don't sure. know, but I, I can't do that. And I feel a bit shit about that. Cause I probably did make enough money to do that, you know, in my, in my career. And I think, oh, sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, guys. <laughs> um, We did go to Barley heaps, but Bar. don't forget yeah, that don't kids. Yeah, don't forget that. I got the photos to prove it. Don't
0: be sus about that. Don't, don't be, be sus about what Louis. mum did with the money.
1: Come on. <laughs> So the money is a bit of it, but also I don't I think I don't know what you would do with yourself. What would you do yeah. with your brain if you didn't go to work? What would you do?
0: I had uh, my hair cut today, thank you. And, well, you can't uh, do that every I, day, mate, no,
1: no. so that's not what you're going to
0: do. I had my hair cut today and the, um, the barber, a the beautiful man, and I always go to him and he was telling me about this woman that comes in once a week. She's 86 years old. she just retired from being a cleaner and she didn't need the money. He went to her house. She invited him over to her house and he said it was a mansion. It was a mansion. <gasps> her husband had died and she decided to become a cleaner. To meet people. And the people she met were incredible. She goes to the same Thai restaurant every single day. So she's treated like an absolute queen there. She gets all the meals. She, if she goes there for lunch, she'll have takeaway for dinner from there. If she goes there for dinner, she'll get takeaway for the next day. And he was telling me all about her, the fact she looks incredible. Yeah. She's always dressed up to the nine. She always looks incredible. And he, I was like, oh, well, why does – it didn't occur to me that the reason that she would still – work and he goes well she's really sharp she's really funny and she surrounds herself with those sorts of people because if you didn't work what would you do all day
1: yeah yeah definitely i think i'd have to do something yeah i I think if i didn't work i would probably take to my bed and die honestly (laughs) i think i'd get really depressed yeah i think if i had my choice i i don't know i might like to work with animals or something
0: yeah yeah but
1: um no, that's a lie. I always say if I were a billionaire, I would create an animal sanctuary and pay people to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could just waft around all day. But yeah, I think I'm a creative person. You got yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. You got to keep going.
1: I'd take to my bed for about three days, and I'd go, "Fuck this! <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing?"
0: I don't, I don't reference them much. But the, uh, the I remember the sketch show Little Britain, and I remember yeah. when I was little. I remember, I think came out when I was like 15 or something. I was was really loving it. It was the first kind of comedy show that I ever watched. It was an amazing deleted scene sketch. Maybe it was in it. I can't remember. But the sketch was people surrounding uh, their family, their loved one, and they were on the deathbed, and they said a final quote. They said their last words, their famous last words, (laughs) and then closed their eyes, and it was a beautiful moment. And then the person closing their eyes, meant to have drifted off, goes – any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to keep that moment of the famous last words to be like, this is going to be my favourite last word. <laughs> Do you have in your mind a, a, a famous last words that <laughs> that you think you would love to? I just hope about? it's,
1: again, I just hope it's not crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: my, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: because my dad's just said crazy right, shit right. for two days before he died. Sure. And... Uh, He just said like like decrease a decreasing number of words, sure, and they were crazy. And in the end, I think it was like four words for about two days, and they were yellow, Jack, (laughs) sure, um, and maybe shut up. It was crazy,
0: great ensemble, the weirdest ensemble of words, yeah, crazy, yeah,
1: and and he was just shouting them in Footscray Hospital. And you'd come up the hall and you could just hear him, yellow, Jack, shut up, Jack, yellow. And I was like, oh, no. And um, and I was just like, oh, someone's got to smother this motherfucker. Yeah. Like, this is just not cool. Like there's other people and you're, you're going, sorry, guys, sorry.
0: Because
1: yeah. imagine lying in the bed down the hall thinking, oh, well, that's – are we all going there? Yeah. I mean, is this, you know? <laughs> like, is for this for everyone. Am I seeing the
0: future? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: and we're not, and that is not everyone.
0: No, by the way, of course, yeah, I've
1: seen other people die.
0: But it's but a scary thing to see.
1: Yeah, times. it was. Um, it was actually because I, I volunteered for palliative care for a couple of years. Wow. So I can tell you honestly that is not the way most people go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why that was happening. Um, I don't know. I think he was really fighting it. He was really fighting death. In the end, actually, he stopped talking at all. But he honestly did. <laughs> His hands up in in a boxing pose for about the last day. Wow
0: does that Does that scare you at all? Death? Do you no. is is there, a, is there a Buddhism way of thinking about death that yeah. has stuck with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Firstly, it's you know c- cyclical. Yeah. So there'll, there'll be a rebirth, and secondly, it's very important to have a calm death because yeah. you know you want to because that it's called throwing karma. You know that sort of. Uh, influences your next rebirth. If yeah. you're going out like that, and I did tell him, but he didn't listen. Obviously, you're more likely to just grab onto whatever's opportunities floating past. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Um, yeah, because he was he was obviously terrified, and he. With whatever brain capacity he had left, and that's just because his kidneys had broken down and his, his toxins had gone to his brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he literally had his hands up in boxing pose. I was like, mate, relax. <laughs> like, um, there's nothing to fight. But yeah, no. So, so I'm not afraid. No. No. No.
0: Um, I've got uh, one more question, but I don't know if it's a good question or not, and it might be too hard to answer. So I'll cut this out of the podcast if <laughs> you don't have an answer or don't want to answer okay. it. If you could pinpoint a moment in your life that had the greatest impact on you, what would that be I and do would you know. change it? I do know. Okay, oh, amazing.
1: This uh, is huge. Amazing is huge. It was, weirdly, mm. when my grandfather died. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. So he. Uh, that was in 1982, a mm-hmm. long time ago, when I was nine. So I just loved him so much and he was in and out of hospital and I just thought that would just continue forever. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he had a few little moments of kind of saying a bit of crazy stuff, but never, never blackjack sure. shut up. But um but then he always came good. And then he bloody didn't. Yeah. So yeah, that was I was Devo. And um I don't know, just something, you know, people often talk about that with death when they're little, I think. That yeah. You know, just the first death of someone that you yeah, love is, is huge. My just whole worldview changed, and everything changed in our family. Like prior to that, everything was kind of perfect, was quite idealistic mm. or quite I- ideal. And yeah, after that, it was just all a bit shit. And Christmas was just never Christmas again. And yeah, yeah.
0: Did everyone was everyone grieving for a really long time?
1: Yes, I think so. Looking back, yeah. yeah. I think so. And my grandmother sort of just drifted mm. off and, yeah, it was just never the same. Yeah. And you know what happened before that? It was so great. I would go over there and I used to spend every weekend there staying over. Mm. Loved it. Used to sleep in my dad's old bed. Like, and right. And it was an antique then, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Probably my grandmother <laughs> or my grandfather slept in it when they were kids. The pillows were like rocks. They were actually the original pillows. Like, right. so funny.
0: So funny when people don't change pillows ever.
1: They never did. Like, <laughs> yes. They were like, you know, war babies. I mean, yeah. they threw nothing out. <laughs> they used to talk about butter rations yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, they had this tiny TV and um, chooks. It was great. It was awesome. And they had relatives and friends living all around. And my granddad would say, "Come, on, let's go for a walk. And we would walk around all day Saturday visiting people, mm. drinking tea and eating biscuits. The Amazing. best. I love the that. Best. It was so good. He used to take me roller skating. He used to do ballroom dancing, roller skating.
0: Wow. I never even knew that was a combo that existed.
1: I know. <laughs> and he used to win prizes. Like when he was young, win prizes, win medals at it. He had photos of himself, medals. With this lady, not my grandma. Um, yeah,
0: it was super cool. I love that. That was the best. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you tried to kind of instill in your kids or anything from, from those times?
1: I think the fun of it, I think I just it was just the child. I think as I've gotten older, I've become more childlike and I just enjoy just the joy of that time and the wonder of that time. And Yeah. He used to take me to this uncle's house who had a like a full secret garden. Right. Like he had a backyard, and then there was a kind of a gate, and you'd go through it, and there was this beautiful garden, snapdragons, you know. So it was a real childlike wonder kind of time, and yeah, I think as I get older, I try and create that and um, really get them into the idea that you can do that you can live like that you don't have to have like you should see our furniture in our lounge like we've got outdoor furniture in the lounge room, like those hanging basket egg chairs and shit you know there's like just a whole sense of you don't have to do anything the way everyone else does no Yeah. yeah yeah you can you can do whatever you want
0: yeah I love that. Yeah. Michelle Laurie, thank you so much for coming on the first episode of uh, this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. How do people find your podcast? I mean, Australian True Crime, it's a very popular, <laughs> a very popular, wonderful podcast you can find anywhere. But is there anything coming up that you want people to know about?
1: Oh, there's always, there's lots, there's lots. Uh, no, I mean, nothing specific. We've just got, always got lots of beautiful guests. Yeah. I mean, so, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Is the guests. Just lots of beautiful people. And if you think you have a true crime story, please let us know because guests come to us all the time and we love that. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. We love helping people tell their stories.
0: I love that. Well, thank you, Michelle Laura, for telling yours. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week My name is Sammy Peterson And you can follow me SamPeterson91 on Instagram I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions You can find that The handles are Confessions the Podcast On Instagram, TikTok and Facebook You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps Please do rate this podcast Uh, i would love that it helps get the podcast out there to so many people thank you to the wonderful michelle laurie and matthew tankard they're they're great producers and i couldn't do this without them please do share this podcast around i'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible so please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat thank you so much hope you have a good week and i will talk to you very very soon goodbye